Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest, one of my favorite episodes ever. It's short, so I packed it out of the end with uh, my good buddy Chris O'Toole and I going over some of our favorite records, but trust me, this is good. Danger, Aaron McGee of Jackass, of, you know, anytime you play a show in Portland, he's there. He's got the camera snapping away. One of my favorite people to see and talk to. And my gosh, did it turn out to be an amazing podcast. I I knew it would be, but I didn't know how good. But more on that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over and send an email to turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, the best way of doing that is by sending an email, that email address or uh, going over to facebook.com. There's a Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and he can get the message to me. There's also a Tumblr page. There's more stuff coming. You know, there's going to be a big year for turned out of punk kicking it off huge with this episode, but this is going to be, this is it. This is our year. We got a lot of stuff to do. Got a lot of shit to take care of. So, you know, it kicks off right now. If you'd like to support the show, the best way of doing that is by telling all your friends, uh, writing a comment, writing a review on your podcast listening place of of choice, letting uh, your parents know about this thing, your family. You know, we got a lot of episodes. We got a lot of episodes with a lot of different type of people. I'm sure there is a guest on this show that will appeal to just about anyone. And who knows? Maybe it will bring them into this music, get them more into the stuff that we're talking about. You know, maybe they just need to hear Michael Ian Black from the TV show Another Period talking about, uh, you know, uh, Tim Shaw from Ensign. And we'll get an ensign. You know, that's how it happens. You know, that's what it is. We're, we're like a symbiotic kind of uh, world, right, you know, that we're creating right here at Turned Into Punk. So tell everyone you know. But speaking of support, this show would not be possible without the kind, loving support of the fine folks at Vans who have said, Damien, go make your show. We just, we just don't want you to lose any money on this thing anymore. So we're going to give you a little bit of money so it's not out of pocket. But book whoever you want. Do what you do. And have fun doing it. So I say thank you, Vans. Thank you so much for doing that and supporting me on this thing. And, you know, I'm going to be doing more House of Vans stuff for them this year. So probably see you around there at some of these live podcasts. As I said, it's going to be a big year for Turn Out of Punk this year. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Got a lot of stuff to do. Speaking of a lot of stuff to do, we got a lot of stuff to get to on this show this week. This week on the show, Danger Aaron of uh, Jackass. Now, I tell him in the episode that the first few times that I met him, I I honestly thought he was just like a super cool, nice person that came to our shows and took photographs. You know, I had no connection in my mind that this was also the guy from Jackass, uh, who I, you know, watched countless times, you know, Jackass to me was a really amazing moment in pop culture. Uh, it had huge, huge far reaching implications as we talk about, on this show, I think far greater implications, ramifications, I'm sure if you're not a fan, than people necessarily give it credit for. Like, it is really the moment where the lens got turned back 
on to the people and they realize that they could create their own wild content. Like, you know, obviously, you know, America's funniest home videos and, and candid camera before that, like this idea that anyone can be on TV and anyone can be doing silly stuff, but like jackass is really like where, you know, that, that means of production of moments of, humiliation, ridicule, pain that were happening accidentally on shows like America's Home, Funniest Home Videos were taken into the hands of the artists. And yes, I said artists, we talk about this. Uh, he defines what he does as an art, and I can't take that away from him at all. Like, There's plenty of people that would not define what I do as art, so I'm not going to criticize anyone else's definition. And also, you know, I've seen performance art. This is like performance art taken to a accessibility and pop culture reach that I don't know I don't think any performance art ever reached unless you consider you know politics and some of those things performance art in their own way which you know that's that's definitely art breaking out of the confines of what is art into a whole new realm but we're not going to get into that this week we're just going to get pretentious enough with jackass because that's what we do on this show we take things that other people cast aside and we hopefully recast them in a different light. And so Jackass was something that, you know, I watched that phenomena unfold firsthand and was along for the ride the whole way. You know, it's like someone that was a little bit older, but someone that was also like watching all these guys from these skateboard magazines that I had known or these weird videos that I had got or, or bought and, you know, once again, it all weirdly comes back to punk rock. Not all of them, but some of these guys were like punk rockers. And it's amazing how, once again, you know, this weird little genre had these massive, massive ripples. You know, we talk about it here. Jackass is kind of responsible for YouTube in a weird way. You know, we get, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. It makes a lot more sense in the context of this episode. Uh, Danger Aaron is one of my favorite people to talk to. And this is, oh my God, I, I'm stoked for you to hear this one. This is one that will, whew, this is why I do this thing. This is why I do this thing. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Danger Aaron on Turned Out a Punk. Aaron, thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. You are really one of my favorite faces to see. Ah, uh, that's amazing. Like uh, most people say, it's the most disgusting thing they've ever seen in their life. <laughs> I've had kids vomit at my feet. They would probably vomit all over my face, but they're so short they can only <laughs> wee puke me. Well, yeah. you know, I didn't even, and I knew you as Aaron, the guy that came to our shows and took pictures. Yeah. For a long time, before my brain made any connection to you being Aaron, the guy I've watched on screen do horrendous things to himself for my enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. So it was so funny. You, like you know, what's funny about that actually is it's an ongoing joke, and it's more than a joke. I think it's more of just reality. Is that um, with the guys? Yeah. For I mean, we started Jackass twenty years ago or something, and for the longest time, like we were all none of us were famous at first. Like, yeah. Knoxville was doing Mountain Dew commercials and Bam was a pro skateboarder. Steve was lighting himself on fire, jumping in poo in Florida. No, everyone was doing their own thing. I was a snowboarder, pro snowboarder up here doing my stuff. But 
throughout the years of all the Jackass stuff, it's been an ongoing joke that it's the, it's the, to say Aaron who? Because <laughs> people are like, like they don't know who I am. But like the best part about that is that that's exactly how I want to be. Yeah. Like once you lose your anonymity, you no longer can get it back. Like, yeah. If you're famous for even doing cool stuff, that you're still famous, and people know where you go. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people who recognize me, especially with this, you know, black diamond in my tooth, plat- <laughs> yeah. platinum, uh, like gold, black definitely. diamond. Well, but, that was the thing is, I think it's the reason I didn't recognize you, is because, and I'll tell you some of these stories off mic afterwards. Yeah. But a lot of the other guys in the group that I've had interactions with carry themselves in a different kind of way. Like, check me out. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and you're, like, the most real-ass dude yeah. I've ever... Like, you know, like, you were just the guy that was at our shows taking pictures, being like, yo, I'm going to send you this wicked photo of your set. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, man. And just never making the connection. And then when I finally did, I was like, holy shit, dude, <laughs> that's so wild. But I got to start this off the way I start all these podcasts off, which is Aaron. How'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Well, I can, uh, let me, let me start by saying the first concert I ever went to. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because that influenced everything from there. Uh, it was actually, I was 15 years old. It was the first concert that wasn't like a state fair concert with my family or something like that. Here in Portland at a place called La Luna. Yeah. Um, and let's see, I must have been, it must have been like 1992 or something like that. And uh, it was Neurosis. And sleep opened up for <laughs> Neurosis. And I'm good friends with, with Matt and Al and, and Jason with sleep. But uh, Matt and I, Matt actually moved uh, up here to Portland and we hang out all the time. But we were having a discussion a couple, like a year ago about first concerts and I was like yeah my first concert was Neurosis at 15 at La Luna and he goes wait a minute that was our first tour <laughs> as sleep ever because they were like a, Neurosis a death right before that or something yeah or... but that was sleep yeah before before they became sleep yeah well that's crazy that yeah. was the first sleep tour yeah Wild. and so at that moment at that time I was you know skateboarder snowboarder everything um I was really starting to evolve because I grew up in a small town called McMinnville. It's, you know, southwest of Portland, about an hour. And I grew up in a mortuary for 12 years. That's where I, like, basically was. I, we can talk about that in a bit. But, yeah, I, you know, when you live in a small town back before the Internet existed, mm-hmm. you were isolated. You didn't have the ability to just know all these bands. And, and there was way less bands back then. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. it's crazy how many bands there are now. But... So, in order for you to actually know a band, you had to either go to a concert, like the record label, and then just buy random shit at the record store mm-hmm. that was on that label, or have a friend that boosted you a tape or something, like, check this out. Mm-hmm. And um, right about that time, uh, I was really getting into... Uh, I was already into punk rock. And punk rock came about kind of like through it came out through snowboarding so skate videos and snowboard videos back in the day um all the bands that were in those videos were bands that weren't even big Mm -hmm. and now are huge Mm -hmm. but back then it was like hey my friend's got a band he'll let us use this song for our video so like okay and that's basically how i got into music was through 
skating and snowboarding and, and surfing and that whole that whole culture. I I love to play music. I'm horrible at it. So for me, it was more of how do I connect to to this music as I've connected to these other things like skating and stuff. And instantly, it became like the probably definitely top five most important things in my life when I go. I mean. You know, there's like morals and ethics that are obviously more important. But mm -hmm. music has been a part of my life for, for as long as I can remember. And I've, I've, I think in, in, unless, unfortunately, you're deaf, music is a part of everyone's life. And mm -hmm. it's everywhere. It's all around you all the time. It, it can change your everything about what your, your experience, how you remember things, how you're doing the things you are right now. If you have some headphones in and you're listening to Inya while you're skating down a gnarly steep hill in San Francisco, that's going to be different than if you're listening to you guys fucked up <laughs> bombing that same street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's a completely altering experience. And yeah. growing up, I was like a punk rocker because I really just didn't give a fuck about all these fancy people doing their cool shit. Like, it meant nothing to me because one day, you know, th that shirt's cool and the next day it's not. It's like... Who decides that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do I have to turn my shirt inside out now? Fuck that! I would buy the shirts that were not cool, back you know back then, and that was punk rock was to be just like unique and nerdy almost. So what know? what were the snowboard videos? Your first ones that you kind of like remember seeing? Like whiskey was that one of them? Um, the whiskey videos. I uh, I was actually in a whiskey video a long time ago. Oh, that's but, what I kind of remember. That's what I remember. Yeah. you were in one of them, right? Yeah, um, that was Sean Kearns and. Johnson, uh, those guys from Canada, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, grow, like I started snowboarding in like 1989, I think it was, and back then it was like, uh, uh, like all the team, like Totally Bored just came out, uh, Snowboarders on the Twalk, uh, it, it was like the beginning of Mac Dog films yeah. and all, all of basically snowboarding was was at the time just a kooky thing and then in the late 80s and early 90s it became a, a culture and accepted by the mountains and the people so that then you could express yourself and go up and ride and the technology of you know the equipment was garbage like yeah. literally we used duct tape and fucking sorel boots and <laughs> starter jackets and jeans like yeah. you know it was it was different but because of that we all connected it was a small group of people up here in the Northwest. And in the 90s in the Northwest, we all know grunge started. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. snowboarding connected to grunge, like it basically was a part of how it got started. Because those songs, like from Melvin's and stuff, uh, were in the videos because they were friends of the, the people doing the videos and the bands were so small that they just wanted to be heard. And that's how it all kind of happened. Um, for, for snowboarding and for me to get really involved into music, um, you know, and, and it, it it means so much to me. Yeah. And and the friends and the the family that I've met through music and and bands touring and going on tour with bands, um, it's very similar to the 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 skateboarding and the people I've met there mm -hmm. and the snowboarding and the surfing and those those lifestyles that we live together and. There's good and bad people in all of those things. Absolutely. But the good people that I've met in all of those things have been the best people in the entire planet. Probably maybe ever to even live. You can't... You get to a point at which a person is... Like, 
this good at the top and you don't go any more yeah. but there's a lot of those people mm-hmm. and 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 it's nice to be able to surround yourself with those kind of people that that are good people like that understand like life and not just the mutant craziness yeah of the everyday bullshit but like truly have seen the world understand it and and it's been a blessing to be able to meet like yourself and and all the family that i've met through music you know well it's crazy with punk rock like i think it was illustrated to me best in portland one time like backstage at a show we played here you're there yeah jerry a from poison ideas there and fred armison's there (laughs) and it's like you know people that don't have you know like any professional kind of connection to one another yet all came from the exact same place mm-hmm. which is this music yeah. you know and one thing I wanted to ask you about because you know snowboarding at that point like that's a that's something being born that's a culture being born where did you first see that like where did you first become exposed to it um I I, I grew up skateboarding in, in out in McMinnville it's a small town you know um and then I had some friends that that uh, were into snowboarding, and I was—I grew up snowmobiling with my parents, mm-hmm. so I was always going to the mountain like every other weekend when my dad had the the weekend off, in a sense. Yeah, we we had a snowmobile trailer and a, a motorhome, and in the motorhome, my dad had—they built the bed in the back super tall so that they could, if you got a call on the way back from a vacation, he could go pick up a dead body and put it underneath the bed. Wow! And then did that ever would, happen? Every time. <laughs> I'm not, why do you think they built the bed to be like, it was like four feet high where it was normally a oh. one foot tall bed. They had to customize it so that, and they built a door on the outside of the, so you could open the side and then put a casket or just a fresh dead one on there. Wow. It's like a hearse mobile home. But that's an upgrade because when I was a kid growing up, uh, we had a station wagon an old like 1985 Oldsmobile is red and I had two I have two sisters two older sisters and my mom and my dad so there would be the three of us sitting in the back and my mom and dad in the front and we'd be on a a, a, a weekend outing or a vacation yeah, or something yeah. and my dad would get a beeper pay, a page <laughs> yeah and go to the pay phone and I knew every time obviously what the, what the <laughs> what page it meant yeah. it meant there's a call and there's a 50-50 chance that we're on this side of that call and not the other side where we have to go home first. And 50-50 means half the time we would have to go pick up that body. And all of those times, it was he's a mortician, so it was fresh meat. And he would pick up the body on a cot. in a Usually it was a blue bag, a body bag, no casket. And my, 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 my dad, we'd have to fold down the back seat and then my two sisters and my mom and my dad would sit in the front seat and I would lay down next to the dead body on the back. Oh my God! And it's 100% true. That's wow. how I grew up. Like that was my, you know, oh, I guess that's just what we got to do. Like, could you imagine a cop pulling you over? Like, uh, like what can I do for you, officer? Is that a dead body in the five-year-old back there, sir? <laughs> First of all, he's not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Neither one of them. Anyways. Oh, wow. So like I, I, you know, for me it was like we all grew up, grow up in our own unique yeah, ways. Definitely. That was just how it was for me. Yeah. But looking back at it now, it's you know a little crazy. I a guess a little different. Way different. Um, you don't but, see that in uh, Six Feet Under. No, that's, <laughs> they never told that yeah, story. Yeah. Those, 
those guys ripped off my life, but I guess they didn't get that one. No, they, well, <laughs> they, they, you have to live that to know like that it couldn't even exist. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. That's not something you. That's would why think. you're gonna write the reboot. Yeah, right. Um, seven feet under. Seven feet under. <laughs> one so, more. Yeah, or lying right beside it. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you? Um, so you guys were going to see these snowboarders, I guess, on the mountain, but that would have been like the first wave of dudes doing it, right? Like I don't know yeah. that much about snowboarding, but it, it doesn't begin in like. It was started in the early 80s, basically, and it was kind of, it was still the beginning of that, and, but it mostly was skateboarders that wanted, that lived in places that had snow. Yeah. And they they couldn't skate in the winter, so they, you know, a lot of guys, uh, Tom Sims or whatever, Jake Burton, all all these old guys that are, you know, whatever, guys that pioneered the sport. Um, and then the, the team riders that were sp- sponsored, Terry Kidwell, Mike Estes, all, all these guys back in the day, Craig Kelly, um, that basically pioneered the, the whole thing. But it, it basically was skateboarding on snow. Mm-hmm. And skateboarders, mm-hmm. it was all punk rock. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, if you watch the movie Thrashing, that's pretty much the Bible of, of skateboarding. Yep, definitely. <laughs> it's like there was the jocks and, and there was the, the, the punks, you know, and that was like how it was yeah you know yeah definitely and punk rock lived through skateboarding i think like in the 80s and 90s -hmm. it was a huge part of any of punk becoming that style of punk like socal new punk like Mm -hmm. not like sex pistols and stuff that would have lived forever you know already Mm -hmm. that was happening but um this new like you know 80s and 90s punk like it it was started during the time of extreme sports starting Mm -hmm. Like, as you say, extreme sports, but there was no X Games, yeah. you know? There was none of that. Yeah. But it all came about through those times in the 90s. And um, Oh, yeah, how many people got turned on to music through Puss Zone and Thrasher? Or oh, like, everything. You know, oh. like, it was the it was the go-to place. Yeah. Or skateboard videos, or even the Warp Tour later on. Yeah, like, and the Warp Tour was created, basically... I went to the first Warp Tour yeah. ever, uh, and, like... Social Distortion, I believe, played there. Where was the first one? Like in California somewhere, I guess? They did this thing at Mount Hood. I'm, if, unless my memory fails me, which wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was this party that they did, Warp Tour, up in uh, at Meadows. And maybe it was just the first one for this area, but yeah. I'm pretty sure. And it was the first year of the Warp Tour. Yeah, yeah. And it it was just Van's way to try to like combine the action sports with music, mm-hmm. and it not only worked but it, it it goes hand in hand. Yeah, like more people use headphones while they're doing like while they're snowboarding or skating than not these days, especially because the headphones are so easy to just put in your ears. But that goes to show like that back to how music influences your day-to-day life in such a major way it's it really can change everything about what you're doing in that moment and punk rock was i think and still is well it's weird now because it seems like nothing has any kind of uh i don't know like the heart and soul of what used to be seems like it's just gone because there's too much information out there for people there's nothing mm-hmm. sacred Nothing's cool. There's like you see a dude running pink porky piggy not on the street, you know, just wearing t shirt, no pants. And that's normal to you. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, everything's kind of like, like and that 
kind of, I think, not to take credit for it because it's not something I really wish I could could not have to say this, but Jackass pioneered in such a way society and the industry. It was, a, you know, just like snowboarding and, and skateboarding, how they went through uh, pioneering and, and people... Uh, it was Jackass was before YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. And it was before any social media. And it was bef- it was at the same time that cameras started getting small enough that you could really get some decent footage to air on a TV show. But it was still ghetto. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it the whole idea, the whole reason I ever got involved um, for myself was that I wanted to do something like uh, that would be unique and rem- remembered. Because I, growing up in the mortuary, I realized what life, you know, it's short, it's quick, but you, in life, at the end, it's still the end, no matter what you do, who you are, whatever. So yeah. basically, life is about leaving memories behind, and also about how you want to be remembered. So I live my life every day, how I want to be remembered, and that's why I always will be who I am. I'm not going to, like, sell out or anything, and... I, you know, if everybody could just live in a way that was just like, you know, I want to be remembered for being a good person mm-hmm. and not for being a, a shitty dude. Because tonight I might die. And if I'm remembered as a shitty dude, what was the point of living anyways? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I can't let go of all this negativity and, and go to, to heaven and be at peace when I let go of that last breath, then all you've done is like, is basically wrong. And you can never let go of that. And that energy, I think that negative energy is what I think I believe what hell is is not being able to let go mm-hmm. and um, so so basically I just you know want to always be able to live that way that uh, I want to do fun things I want to change the world I want to be remembered but if I'm only remembered by one friend or one family member that's good too yeah. as long as I, I stay true to that goal in my life and, and that's the most important thing but jackass because of that for me was an outlet for me to let my ideas be seen and and do something that was like weird and unique and and be remembered and at the time i had no idea none of us did that it was going to be what it did but <laughs> it, it did. fucking aired on mtv like i still to this day until it aired did not believe that it was ever going to air because i watched the pilot for the show which i was on <laughs> And I was like, oh, damn, I thought we had a chance to be on TV. And then, <laughs> like, and then no three months later, I got a call. It's picked up. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> that was the worst shit I've ever seen. That was worse than, like, the shit we film up here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was the and, wild. Well, like, well, that's the thing. It changed culture. Yeah. Like, in a, in a major way. And, like, but it was like. It inspired people to, to not give a fuck about what the quality was but more of the content and inspired people to like think outside the box and and they started sending us videos like crazy to mtv i can only imagine and we couldn't touch them we couldn't open them none of it because if we see them they'll say we took their ideas or something and so that's why youtube started the guy told me it was because all these videos nobody everyone was inspired to film all this shit but they had nowhere to show it Dude, and I, that's YouTube. I don't want to lose any of this, so can Here. we start? Yeah, Sorry. We're, we're in my truck right we're in, now. We're in Aaron's truck. Got the dog in the back. He's got his beautiful puppy in the back. Yeah, I'm going to start the truck. 
Look at that. Did we get juice? We got juice. We're on. We're alive. All right, we're, we got juice. We're charging. We're charging. Okay. Can well, I? Do you mind if I hit this? Rip? Oh, please hit that. Hit, I'm gonna, hit that rip. I'm gonna hit a rip. I was gonna say like it, it's it's amazing because like, do you remember after Jackass exploded, there was this whole thing of Jackass crews. Oh, like people filming their own stuff. Yeah, but it then... became like a thing. Like it was like you would have your graffiti crew, your breakdance crew. And then there were people that were like... Would go out and film on the weekends, dumb shit. But they called themselves Jackass Crews. Yeah. And it was like... And then there was like... Dude, you know there's a new show on MTV called Zackass? It's called Zack. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm coughing. No, dude. I'm, I'm it's called Zackass. Zackass. And it's, I, I've never met him, but he seems like a nice guy and his whole crew. Um, and his name's Zack, but he, they, it's called Zackass. Yeah. I, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what to think or say. I shouldn't even be talking about it because... I don't. I can't judge anybody. Yeah. Be, I can't say because, you know, we pioneered something that we own it. Because I'll be honest, pioneers get paid in pain, yeah. and that's the reality of being a pioneer. Yeah. It's the ones that come after that get paid the money. Yeah. You know. It's, yeah. That's just the way it is. And I don't do it for money. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I like money. Who doesn't want to go on a vacation every now and then? But it's the the memory that's left behind is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And while I'm alive that is and being able to see my friends hang out and, and know that we're all like doing the best we can that's worth more than anything yeah and I can't judge it to say that these newer kids aren't doing the same thing so for me to say fuck them is kind of arrogant and irresponsible for me because they could be living their life like I'm living mine and for me to judge them is wrong so go ahead and do your thing but you're right it's like that uh you know, that's a very blatant example of someone being like, here's where my inspiration is from. But yeah. like, you like you said, like, you know, everyone on YouTube, like 90% of the YouTubers, like there's just so many people. YouTube is basically a, a, yeah. a, a network of dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, yes. It started, it's like YouTube, uh, it's like the porn for YouTube. Yeah. Por, porn, like porn revolutionized the the internet the, and, and VHS VHS yeah you're right like the only reason we didn't do beta is because porn said we don't want to own I have to pay Sony the money to get these beta rights so let's just VHS it's free yeah. and we'll make our own tapes and boom that that took over dude I and, worked in a video store I know how the economy of videos work you know like it's porn that that kept the lights on for yeah all the art films and <laughs> and YouTube is the porn of YouTube is dumb shit. Dumb like shit, like yes. the dumber the fucking better. Like I seen dudes on YouTube like blow their arms up, like off with like like uh, firecrackers, yeah. like boom, like and they're filming it and it, somehow it's on YouTube and you can watch the craziest shit. Yeah. And that's not what like my goal isn't to just do the craziest shit. Although I've had twenty seven surgeries <laughs> and I've broken my neck three different times and I've had eleven knee surgeries in those and all sorts of things. Yeah. And obviously I'm definitely not just like laying around crocheting every day. Although it sounds nice. <laughs> it does sound nice. <laughs> but my goal isn't to just do crazy shit. My goal is to be entertaining and to make it like weird enough that it's unique and re will be remembered. Like if you jump off of a building. Uh, wearing street clothes that's one thing but if you jump off with the fucking looking like Mary Poppins trying to fly that's a whole nother deal yeah. it's the same end result you're gonna go splat but in the process going down it sure looks a lot cooler with an umbrella ah <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny <laughs> that's a good line <laughs> so how did it come together cause like that's the other thing is like you guys were all kind of like on a similar tip 
doing sort of like, you know, there's the CKY stuff. There's the stuff that was being done at Big Brother, you know, the stuff that you're doing up here. How did you guys like come together and decide to form this super group of doing ridiculous stuff? So um, we were all kind of in our own little areas, like Bam and Ryan, and that whole crew was over in Philly. Yeah. Or Westchester, yeah, Pennsylvania. Westchester, yeah. Uh, they were in Westchester. And um, Steve O was uh, in Florida and traveling around a lot doing his thing. And uh, Preston was uh, like in Oklahoma, like somewhere over there, Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and he had met Knoxville through some acting comedy stuff or okay. whatever. And apparently, you know, and he, every person in the puzzle is there for a reason. And uh, Dave was living up here in Portland at the time. Knoxville was in L.A. trying to do his famous stuff. Uh, Pontius was coming from San Luis Obispo. Uh, Jason Weeman was uh, living in down, or he lives down in SoCal. Mm -hmm. um, and we all, and right, you know, we all, I was up here in Portland and I was filming with my friend Whitey who uh, did uh, Kingpin Productions, which was a snowboard company, filmmaking, and he worked with um, with Big Brother. Uh, yeah. Uh, and... Did he, did he work on, like, shit or any of those types of videos? Or? Uh, no, he was uh, just affiliated with Tremaine and, okay. and the whole thing. I mean, he, he did some stuff, um, uh, Blunt Magazine and all these other magazines yeah. and stuff, but mostly he was doing films and just knew everybody. And, and he was down there in L.A. one time and told Tremaine about this crazy guy up in Oregon who has all these ideas and uh, they, they were like what that sounds crazy what he write this what what did he like the first thing I wrote was I was gonna write run or not the first thing but one of the first things I filmed was uh, running through the a Burgerville on 12th and Hawthorne here in Portland um, dressed in a football uniform and I'd stole the food and then did a, a spike spiked it in front of the car and did a touchdown dance and ran off high knees and the lady who was handing off, and she freaked, like, she can imagine, you know, like, and this was, no one's ever seen anything jackass. Yeah, yeah, this is a... Jackass doesn't exist. A pre-jackass world, yeah. someone's yeah. doing this. And, uh, and then the, that day, and the next day, I did this Danger Aaron Extreme Pogo, where I pogo stick through fucking the, a war zone. I went downstairs, through waterfalls, all this crazy, I broke my hand, first day filming. And the, three months later, went and then they, I got a call saying you know the show got picked up and, and we all just filmed our stuff in our places for the first whole season um, one time I did this skit where I pretended to be blind yeah and I did the blind driver yeah. where I, I rent a car I think that was in the movie I, I can't remember, remember. Yeah. I don't honestly yeah. remember I definitely know that one was it in a movie or was no, it in I a think TV it was in show? The show I think it was in the show okay I've got all the DVDs but then there's that one that didn't Fuck come it. out because I, I don't, of the fire oh. thing Oh, there's some stuff that never came out. Oh, yeah. I can imagine there's, like, some <laughs> yeah. stuff on the cutting room floor. <laughs> that that is... cutting floor doesn't exist. Yeah, the it's jackass... just a bottomless pit of it falling until <laughs> for eternity. It will never even hit that floor. It's so gnar. Yeah, but, I can only imagine. <laughs> but uh, I was, uh, like, that skit, for instance, we filmed that here in Portland also, and I backed up, or I, I tapped across the street, pretended I was blind, and, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, a, a thing that no one would ever think that a guy who was blind would drive a car. Yeah. And so I tapped over to the car, acted like I couldn't see the the key hole, and then I finally got in the car, and I slammed in the car in front of us, which was a rental that we rented, <laughs> and then I took off, I hit Dave, 
and people chased me down and they they wanted to kill me they were so pissed uh, and, and as they were getting closer to me in the rearview mirror, I'd see him get close, and, and then I and then I floor it, and, and then I'd let him get close again. Like they were running, and then finally some guys in a car, and and then at the end when they finally caught me, they they pinned me. I was in a car like hauling ass around Portland, and they they cornered me, and I couldn't get out. And finally I was like, Hey, listen, man, we're filming for this TV show called Jackass, for MTV, and they're like. What the fuck are you talking about? We don't give a fuck. What, you, what are you talking about? You're filming for a show. Jackass didn't even aired. It was for the show. I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. It hadn't even aired. Like, the shit that we used to do before it was ever, like, you know, nowadays you see somebody do something crazy. You're like, where's the cameras? Yeah, exactly. Where's the camera? Yeah. Oh, there's one. And there's one. And you can't even see the cameras because everyone's filming with their iPhone. So everybody has a camera on them at all times. Yeah. Which means everybody's filming everything. Crazy, 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 crazy. That's, fucking yeah. society is yeah. goddamn full of mutant zombies and they're walking around with fucking cell phones filming everything. Everything. Live. I know. Like you, you go to a concert tonight, your show tonight will be filmed live. Oh, it'll be a live Whether show. you know it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's like, it's funny because you're right. Like, it's amazing to think about that world that, you know, Jackass came out of like that wasn't a thing yet. Like cell phones were. Well, something. I mean, Jackass is partly responsible, somewhat. Oh, I definitely. Think, but but the... definitely more importantly is technology. Yeah, de- because yeah, yeah. whether it was Jackass or not, I mean, nobody has a time machine. It, Jackass will live forever. Yeah, it will like be in like MoMA. It's we watched the movie there. Like it's like you look at it as being performance art. Absolutely, yeah. like the whole reason for it was like, like to be unique and like to just do stuff that nobody else was had done or was doing or that wasn't. We created our own magic. We didn't like get the recipe from Copperfield and then recreate it. <laughs> we created this friendship, brotherhood, magic that is art. I mean, what is art if not that? Like, do you think an artist who paints with a brush? is is better than somebody who is a filmmaker or a TV or just some somebody who's doing street performance. Dude, you're like, talking to a no, musician who yells yeah. on stage. Yeah, like, exactly. I have the utmost... Like, empathy. how are you an artist? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm very much... You know, but when it. you fucking take your shirt off and go stage dive and get sweaty all over people, that is part of your art. Yeah, people want to no, see absolutely. that. Yeah. And that's who you are as an artist. Yeah. And if you don't do that stuff, then they look at you like, what What the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, mm-hmm. so, you know, if somebody who paints with a, a brush does has a style of an art and whatever, and then he does something completely different and people question it, but it doesn't matter because it's just a personal experience you're going through in life. Every moment is, is a completely new, unique moment. Yeah. And as an artist, you shouldn't have to, like, be defined by a style or, or a genre because what the fuck is the point of being an artist if that's the case? That's mm-hmm. no longer art. That's just corporate bullshit. That's us making money and making us feel better. And the truth is, is I could die with the thousands of millions. Like, I have so many photographs. It's insane. I've shot almost every band that's toured in the last 20 years. Like, And I'm going to be putting out you know, the books and all this stuff. But I would much rather die with that and let it live that, than just be typecasted into being this robot of a human and, mm-hmm. and taking away the soul of the reason I do it to begin with 
is, mm-hmm. is because it makes me feel like I'm a fucking pirate and I'm out at sea. And every time I get a good shot or a piece of art, it makes me feel like I just put a gold coin in my chest. And I've been out at sea for a very long time and I haven't docked, and, and, but I got a huge chest full of gold. But what's the point in being a, being a pirate? I wrote an essay for my film studies class in university around the time the Jackass movie first one came out uh, about how that was like the first truly pure Mondo movie that didn't involve any exploitation because Mondo films like death films and notoriously exploited people. Yeah, but those money. (laughs) Well, exactly, but I was saying you guys made the first one where everyone was a willing participant. And we got away with it because we wore fucking dumb outfits, like a meter fairy. (laughs) Like, like I wrote that skit. I was like, oh, man, how funny would it be to plug the meter and chase around a meter guy? And if I would have worn street clothes, it wouldn't have even been funny. Yeah. It would have just been dumb. Like, like, whatever. But because I dressed up in a tutu and, and like, had a little bag, a little satchel with quarters and a wand. And I was, like, blessed on, on the meters while I slid the quarters in. That's what makes people laugh. It's yeah. like that art, that, that is the art of the painting, you know? When you guys first met, because you guys had been doing this in isolation basically for the first season, was it like, oh shit, this is going to work immediately? Because not everyone's like from punk. Not everyone's from snowboarding. Not no, everyone's from we, skateboarding. We all, we were so excited because yeah. we all like basically in our own rights grew up with the idea that I think we were all going to be on, like, not TV, but, like, we all were affiliated with things that weren't just your average normal thing, you know? Like, we were, in our own rights, doing something that was outside of the box. Like, I'm going to be a professional this Mm -hmm. and go travel the world. Mm -hmm. And so when we all met, we were all just so pumped because finally each one of us were, like, got to this point where... I don't even fucking know how. The point is, is that we were all so happy that we were involved in something that wasn't just us filming with our friends and no one's ever going to see it, that we were like best friends from the beginning. Yeah. Like we were living a dream life all of a sudden and didn't matter if somebody didn't like me. We all liked each other. Yeah. We all loved each other. We all still love each other. We obviously sometimes can't stand each other like, like brothers would Mm -hmm. like, I'll be honest, just the thought of going to go film something right now gives me more PTSD than I want to, like, basically, it, it makes me want to chop my own dick off so I can't move. So I'm like, sorry, wow. guys, I can't make it. I chopped my own dick off. I filmed it. We'll see if it makes the cut. <laughs> <laughs> but that I'd rather... I, yeah. I, I mean, you know how gnarly it's been for 20 years? Oh, like, no, not knowing where I'm going to get hit, like, by a hand or punched in the face or get my tooth ripped out? That broke my face to my eyeball it took six months to heal I knew what I was getting myself into all this stuff that I do most uh, most of it I write a lot of the most of the stuff I do and then even stuff for other people but obviously there's some stuff written for me (laughs) and those things are you know I fuck they suck yeah like I I mean I've broken my neck a couple times I've blown out my knee many times I've you know yeah the 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 bruises the the mental the, I can tell you my body is in pain but the mental shit from it all yeah, it's like so be... exciting we're on top of the world imagine everybody in the planet knows jackass they don't all know who I am <laughs> but they all know what jackass is which by the way is perfect because if I need to 
like I'm in Vegas and I want to get into a nightclub, I'd just be like, yo, you ever seen that show, Jackass? And then they look at me and they're like, holy shit. But it's not something that I have to be known you for. You have to as, carry with you Yeah, all like, time. oh, that's that dude. That's that dude. And some of the guys are like that. And yeah. I'm not, like, bagging on it, but I can tell you that they probably would say they'd much rather be like me right now. It would slip away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Everybody with technology in their pocket wants a selfie. Mm-hmm. And they want to instantly post it. They want to go live. Like, you could be doing something that you don't want anybody to know you're even there. Yeah. You're just living your life. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah. But it's like, know. it's fun to put on fame, but it's really hard to take off. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to stick really, with it. It's not something you take off. But um, what was the first time you saw the Melvins? Like, I don't mean to jump all the way back to music. No, absolutely. But, but the, just, the Melvins are one of my if not my favorite band like Dale and Buzz and, and the coolest yes. project you told me that you were working on is the, your Melvin's photograph book that you want to do well I've been photographing the Melvin's for what 20 years yeah so on my Instagram uh, I saw that yeah photo. There, I have a photo uh, at Danger Aaron yeah <laughs> that's funny right yeah uh, like, like, first of all, most people are going to just type in A-A-R-O-N unless they know and yeah, whatever. Yeah. They're going to go follow some dude named Danger Aaron and be like, this guy's cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. But uh, the the first t- time I met Buzz, it was like 20 years ago. And I had to take a picture because at the time I was a pro snowboarder and it was at La Luna and the Melvins were playing. And I was really into the Melvins because they were had some songs in some snowboarding films and like Bullhead and, and some other like I can't remember everything right now, but I had listened yeah. to them a lot and uh, I got backstage somehow and it was way before Jackass um, and Buzz and I I got a photo with him and then 20 years later, uh, which was I think a year ago, I'm like Buzz, hey look at this photo, let's recreate this <laughs> and so him and I. We, we took that same photo again and then I posted a side by side 20 years later and whatever yeah. but yeah. I mean I've, I've been friends with Dale and Buzz for, for 20 years now like I've I growing up in the northwest yeah you know they grew up they, they were basically the beginning of all mm-hmm. what we know is grunge and that whole era of stoner rock stoner metal and, and all of it there's Sludge. no Nirvana without them there's, there's like, no, no Nirvana. Nirvana like like Dave like, does not meet yeah. Like, doesn't enter the picture. No. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt auditioned to be in the Melvins. Yeah, yeah. But then, was there roadie? Yeah. Because they didn't... Well, the Mel- Mel- Nirvana was originally the Klingons, because they were always hanging around the Melvins. Yeah. And, so and, a- and Green River, uh, Mud, uh, Mark Arms' band, before Mud yeah. Honey, uh, was also... And that was the more punk version of the stoner music, the sludge, the grunge. But it combined into, you know, the, the it basically... Somebody said, "Hey, this is cool in Hollywood, basically, mm-hmm. or in, in L.A. or something like that." And it got because everything else was like uh, '80s glam rock was pretty much done at the mm-hmm. time. People were over it. There was nothing there that was unique, and like the music industry tapped into the the unlimited resource that Seattle and Portland had. But obviously, Seattle was the the main epicenter of of that grunge. Like, yeah, bands like Poison Idea and the Wipers were here in Portland uh, like yeah. awesome the rats all these awesome bands but like Portland was always forgotten about or never it was jumped over it mm-hmm. was San Francisco to Seattle and man I, I grew up in the epicenter of it during the epicenter 
like I was, I graduated high school in 1995, and I was a skater, snowboarder, surfer, music, all everything that was the Northwest was what I lived. I'm fourth generation Oregonian. I, yeah, I'm not just like, hey, what's up, guys? Like I'm from here. Yeah. And what was happening was daily daily life, yeah. and it became huge, and it was weird to be inside of this looking out going wow everyone thinks that what we do is cool now but I remember I got beat up all the time by people that didn't think it was cool and now it's cool so now I'm not getting beat up and now they want my phone number <laughs> on my Nokia brick actually yeah. at the time it was like a Motorola flip you know yeah but now they want your photo oh yeah now iPhone. they want their photo and, and I you listen I'm not disrespecting people in such a way that is like don't do that it's just let's be respectful of people like it's if you take a photograph and you film everything and you post all this stuff what is then unique and meaningful like if you document your entire life and if everybody's documenting their entire life then what is like the, the 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 meaning of like there's too much information out there mm -hmm. you know it's it's like sometimes it's nice to just sit on the beach yeah and go wow there's, there's, we live on this planet that, like, is, you know, don't get me started on, like, what's happening to our planet, you know, through all this technology and everything else, but it's, I'm actually okay with it because I believe I will be the first AI myself. What? You're going to be... Yes. Like, going to become just pure information? Well, I've been working on something since I was a very young child. Really? As a human. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Basically, in the thought that you, if everything is documented, then what is, what is uh, memory? What is, what yeah. what is your life consist of, right now? Your life and your future choices are based on the memory of what you've lived and chosen in the past. Mm -hmm. Those memories are who you are, mm -hmm. and and that decides then what you're going to choose usually in the future. Because that's who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Correct? So what is the point of not being then able to take my memories and put that into a hard drive and upload that into a robotic body and my consciousness would then be based on who I am anyways? It's like that Moore's Law, right? Like the idea that $10,000 will eventually be able to buy the contents of the enough storage to hold the human brain sure. on a computer. But 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 the, the, the what, what people say is, well, then how... How are you not just a robot? And but it's because the difference is, is I'm taking the memories in my life, yeah. my ethics, my morals, my consciousness, based on all Experience. the writings, the videos, the photos, the things that I've been documenting and writing since I was basically three years old. I've documented my entire life, long before technology, <laughs> like writings, and I still have toys from when I was a kid with photographs of me holding them that are meaningful. Mm -hmm. Like the first stunt I ever did, I was three years old and I jumped off these stairs because I saw my van. I, I made this van go flying off at 18 stairs in a mortuary, wooden stairs. And I thought it looked cool. So I ran and I jumped all the way down to the third step. So 15 stairs. I ate shit. And I, like, I laid there at three years old and I looked at my van and it had broke. And so I started crying. And then my mom came running down and was like, are you okay? Oh my God, oh my God. And gave me a bath, put me in bed and gave me ice cream. 
And from that moment on, I was like, well, I guess if I fuck myself up and people take notice, they're going to reward me. So since the age of three, that's been my life. Yeah. And that toy that I still have represents a huge part of my life. So yeah. keeping things you that are... You that van? You I still have it. Wow. It's in my house with next to all my other shit that I've kept that's part, like a meaningful time, something yeah. prolific to me. Yeah. Um, but, the, but that in itself these memories are who we are yeah. that will make our choices for the future so this body I'm in is fucked up <laughs> thank you <laughs> 27 surgeries 3 broken necks I can't even tell you how much like it's kind of to the point at which I've got you know I've got some more years in it I can still do some cool shit trust me I won't stop but at some point it's going to give out and if it doesn't give out the earth is going to give out and the yeah. only way that you can survive without eating or drinking water, air, all that is by being basically a robot. Mm -hmm. So Elon Musk, if you're out there, I really want to get a hold of you. <laughs> I've been trying to get a hold of you. I don't know how to like get a hold of you, but I've been working on something similar to what you know, and I would love to get a hold of you. So please um, reach out to, reach out to me. Yeah, uh, try, tr tr try the Instagram thing. You just DM me at the Instagram. It's at, that's the, the A with the squiggly around it, circle. Danger, D-A-N-G-E-R-E-H-R-E-N, Danger Aaron. Elon Musk, please get a hold of me. I really, really want to talk to you. Maybe hit up Grimes. <laughs> yeah. Get to him through Grimes. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's Grimes? Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to smoke some more reverb. Uh, Wait, didn't Elon Musk get busted? Everyone freaked out on him when he smoked on Joe, Joe Rogan's, Rogan's show. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, see what happens when... But we're not filming this. But no, hold exactly. on, hold on, hold on here. Just in case. That's the lighter. myself the old face butter, for, once, butter. for once it's not me smoking weed on the air on this podcast so yeah. everyone's like you know relieved do you want to you want to hit you want to hit i'll hit i'll hit, I'll hit. here try this <clears throat> fuck that thing that this is this is this is the vape pen could you imagine let me get it going could you imagine being a kid like oh yeah like like i didn't start smoking marijuana until I was 21 years old. I didn't drink, I, I did not drink until I was 20 and a half years old, first time I ever drank. Because I had to get out of that town, and the only way out of there was to focus on one thing, to get good at one thing, get the fuck out. And those distractions were not gonna work for me. So I, did you I didn't have girlfriends, I didn't drink, I didn't do any of that shit, because I literally was so focused to needing to like connect to something that would get me outside of the town that I lived in, because I knew there was a whole world out there. Did, so did you like, yeah, like, how did you know about sponsorship and snowboarders? Like, were these from, like, these friends of yours that you're meeting on the mountain? Like, were there sponsored guys there? Well, I mean, it, came, it goes back to skating. Like, yeah. in the 80s, I started skateboarding in the second grade, like, in yeah. 1986 or... I can't remember exactly. Second grade time. Um, <laughs> and just having a board with a logo on it meant something. Yeah. And then names. And then from there, it was just embedded into my psyche since I was basically a kid that it's put the potential to be a professional at something is there and so when you first left it was that to to snowboard professionally when you first like traveled outside yeah yeah it was basically snowboarding 
um, I was I skated and I surfed and I snowboarded, but I had sponsors like Airwalk and Oakley yeah. back yeah. in the day, um, local sponsors and a bunch of, you know, different, you know, one year I'd ride for this company and then the next company, but um, it, it, it was the only way that I could see myself not, like, being trapped and I saw being trapped as being like like not just living in the small town I grew up in but in a cubicle or some other thing that I can't I've I can't I'm not I I, I don't know what's wrong with me or what's right with me but I can't mm-hmm. and I never have been able to and I think it has something to do with growing up around you know so many people to, to listen to me talk yeah and well, they didn't say a goddamn thing no. it was perfect <laughs> It was all about me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's also why you're... It's you're, good shit. You were fearless of death and fearless of everything is because you grew up around death, right? Like... I'm going to turn this car off. Are we charged? Yeah, we're doing we're doing well now. We can definitely... Um, I, 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 I've always been uh, aware of it. It... it, it I can't escape the thought of it every day, all day long. I wish I could. I really do. But um, no matter what I do, I will constantly know it exists. And that basically drove me maybe, I don't know, I guess it drove me insane as a child. Well, you grew up around in a way that, you know, no one, most people don't. No. Right? Like literally beside it yeah when that becomes like normal to you to see like brains and 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 like the first pair of titties i saw was seven no i was nine i was nine years old the first pair of titties i saw and she was night she was 80 82 years old and it was a dead person <laughs> yeah whoa and that was what i was like oh you know yeah and, and my dad became a mortician because he wanted to help people he yeah. literally was going to be a therapist or, or or he became a mortician because he saw that this is the worst time in people's lives it's mm-hmm. not like somebody might, like, might lose their job and they might lose their you know whatever shit and they they go crazy and oh i need to see a therapist but actually when you lose somebody that you love more than anything on this planet that is when you are the most vulnerable I'm and the just... most lost on this what we know as planet in our universe and so he said i want to do that to help people and he is the most amazing person my mother and my father are still together uh 52 51 years now uh they are uh yeah that you know yeah they're the best and and they're the best because i know that they're going to be able to let go of this planet and their their bodies and know that they did a good thing in life and mm-hmm. that is the most inspiring thing I've ever known yeah 100% so but it's still but it's still made, it was still the reality that I grew up in a mortuary yeah <laughs> yeah and like and, and had to experience things I think but probably. I bought my parents a house so yeah so I guess you know paid off no you for did them. <laughs> like <laughs> what do they what, what do you know what they thought the first time they saw a jackass like what do they what do they think because like no matter you know art or not is it is extreme it is the ex- it most was extreme it, art that as a was tv show it was funny like there was some stuff that like was like oh my gosh 
But when the first movie came out, yeah. and I rented this theater here in Portland, and I got all my friends and family, and I'm sitting next to my mom, and I purposely wanted to sit next to my mom, and I videoed my mom in night vision with that time with this little Sony cam, night vision. And when I whip out my dick, and I pee into a snow cone, <laughs> and I eat it, <laughs> and I look over at my mom, and she's looking at the big screen, like literally like, oh my God. <laughs> And my aunt and uncle, my mom, my dad, all my cousins, everyone's there. Everyone's thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> and and uh, I, I videoed it and then I just looked at my mom and I was like, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> and literally, she looked at me and just like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> And it was a good time, but, uh, you know, uh, it's been a great life, and it's not over. Aaron, um, honestly, this is one of my favorite <laughs> things I've ever gotten to do, have this conversation with you, but I unfortunately have to go yeah, play, we gotta go play music, a man. stupid show. I gotta go shoot photos of you. I would much prefer to just hear Aaron talk to you, but will you come back at some point and do Absolutely. a part two? Fuck yeah. Because I, I, there's so much more to talk <laughs> about. There's really hours and hours and months. Literally <laughs> hours to get to before it's all said and done. This has been a lot of fun, man. Thank all you. All right. Thank you, man. It's fun. Oh. Time. All right. Woo! Booked up! Thank you, Aaron, for coming on the show. And as you heard right there, oh my gosh, is there room for more? I wish I didn't have to play that show that night. We could have sat there and talked for for hours. Hours in his amazing survival truck thing that he has with his little puppy, his little puppy dog in the back. What a fun hang that was. What a great time. Thank you, Aaron, so much. And I will see you for that part two in the future. Speaking of future, next week on the show, Julian Baker of, well, Julian Baker fame of most recently last year's Huge breakout, ex-boy genius, ex-fame, and this is an incredible episode. What an awesome person to talk to. I'm a big fan of her music, and to kind of get to sit down and talk about, fuck, Madball. Who'd ever thought that, you know, I'd be sitting talking to someone from Boy Genius about Madball? Well, I should have thought it, because, once again, it always comes back to that punk rock. So that is next week on the show. It's a fantastic, fun conversation I was thrilled to get to do, and I'm more than thrilled to get to share it with all of you next week right here. So, you know, that's it. Uh, Oh, no, no, that's not it. What am I saying? That's it. No, no, I will say goodbye to you now, but after this, there will be a whole extra bonus thing of Chris O'Toole my co-host from the Turned Out of Punk Footnotes podcast that, that comes out following this one each and every week. Well, almost each and every week. But uh, we got together and we ran through some of our favorite records of the last year. And what would a top 10 list be without some glaring omission? So Chris wanted me to also shout out the special interest spiraling 12-inch uh, because he hadn't heard it at the time of the recording of this. And I would also say I forgot the Nothing LP. I can't believe I forgot that. I listened to that a ton this year as well. So, uh, you know, but we talk about a lot of other stuff. And I'm sure there's more we could have gotten to. But that's the fun. 
Uh, send in those missed records that we should check out, please, to footnotes, uh, turn it punk footnotes at gmail.com. Separate email, separate show. Uh, and that will be checked by Chris O'Toole. And yeah, so here it is. The Turn at a Punk year-end record list spectacular. Uh, but before that, go out there and make your own culture. Please sign your organ donor cards and talk to your family about donating your organs to someone else um, after you're gone. And also, uh, yeah, that's it. You know, try and make this world a better place. And uh, I will see you next week. Enjoy this. Thanks for listening. Bye. Chris, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries, man. It, it's weird saying that to you because normally, you know, it, we're co-hosting a show together, but now it feels almost like you're a bit of a, a guest. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hostage more than a guest. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, hey, however you want to look at it. Um, but I just yeah. wanted to have you on quickly to kind of go over the year that was, 2018. Uh, I guess starting off... First of all, how was your 2018 in general? You have, you have a pretty good year? I had a bizarrely positive... Well, the latter half of my year was bizarrely positive, considering that my normal years I don't feel are so much. So, yeah, I actually, for once in a very long time, cannot complain at the minute. So, yes. Well, like every coin, there are two sides. And my 2018 yeah. was less than stellar. Uh, yeah, but- you've been but no, but but you know what? It's been a. But that being said, like this is not a time to unfortunately, uh, or no, I guess to talk about the stuff that was unfortunate that passed by. We want to go over the stuff that was that was great that went on this year. And I think, in amongst all the kind of terrible things that I was dealing with, there were some things that that brought me a lot of joy this year. And and one of them, as always, was music in this podcast, doing this podcast. I mean, uh, so uh, yeah, let's talk about that stuff, Chris. Did you have a good year when it comes to music this year? Did you, were there a lot of stuff you were into? Yeah, I'm kind of still sort of getting through everything that I, I just started, uh, like, I don't know, checking out stuff that, that was meant that I sort of missed. But in general, yeah, I found it was a uh, a pretty good year. Like, I, I, I was sort of weirdly busy with job stuff, so... I found that there was a pocket of the year where I really was like missing things. And then now I'm sort of catching up, but, um, yeah, I thought it was good. Like not, um, like of all genres, but I thought this year was a really, and not, not this type of podcast, but I thought this was a really strong year for rap music to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, I know I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff this year. Yeah. Same here. I think, uh, last year I was definitely a little more checked out of music. Um, and, uh, this year I kind of, you know, I, I was able to kind of get back into it a lot more. And, and there was a lot of stuff that I was I was super into. Like, I think this year, um, you know, being home, being able to kind of like be around a little bit more and check out some stuff and also going on tour again and checking out bands on tour. Uh, I was, you know, surprised at how much stuff I was into last year. I definitely saw a lot more shows, but this year I feel like I, I listened to a lot more new stuff. Yeah, I, I I make a concerted effort every year to do it, regardless. But yeah, I, I things came to me a little more naturally this year. Um, but yeah, I think I think the other thing was I was I was more actively like purchasing new stuff. Like I had a, a decent year and I wasn't flat broke for once. So I was actually like kind of getting things as they came, which was nice and sort of so I was kind of catching things as they 
as they came out, I guess, maybe a little more than normal. So that's why I felt more engaged with it. I don't know. Yeah, I think the same same with me. Um, I, there, you know, there was a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that I was, you know, like I said, there's some cool stuff that I'd heard, you know, from the world of rap and hip hop. There's definitely some awesome stuff I heard from the world of punk and stuff I heard from just the general world of, I don't know, we're in a post-indie world. So I guess it's just like popular music now. Yeah, <laughs> very good point. Yeah. Also, uh, did you see Obama put out his favorite songs of the year list? I saw that today. I haven't looked at it enough to like parse it, but I always feel like, like yeah, it's it, it's just that's just funny to me because like, do I really care what kind of music he likes? Like, not at all. Although he, for a president or a former president, he definitely has probably the, I don't know, maybe I'm going on the, out on a limb, but maybe the best taste of any president. I yeah, until say. until President Punk. Uh, shows up in a couple more years. <laughs> Beto will be the uh, yeah. the one that you know. President Punk will change everything for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but you know yeah. we're we're definitely with Obama talking President Punk adjacent because you know who he had on his list. I didn't see. No, I I just looked this morning. I I thumbed by it real quick. But anyway, what was on it? Kurt Vile. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really funny. It's so like it's so funny because like, you know, like uh, you know, like uh, we went on tour with the Foo Fighters. Like I'm sure they know Obama. Like yeah. we went on tour with Arcade Fire. They know they definitely played Obama benefits and stuff. So, you know, but like I don't know with Kurt Vile, it feels like wow. Like there's a chance that he's gonna meet the president. Like that's a guy that I kind of I know. Well, the the weird part too is it's like he's not because Kurt's from what Philly, I think. Yeah, Philadelphia. So it's not even like a Chicago nod. It's like a legit, just like I'm rocking the Kurt Vile record. That's that's great, though. Do you think Obama's going to get into like Silt Breeze Records now? I just I think the fact that you can now, in a very Damien sense, connect Vile to Barack Obama is pretty insane, and that's the world we live in now. Yeah. Not yep. Kurt Vile, meaning Vile, like the esoteric, obscure band that Vile, Kurt Vile has given little nods to, or at least in his merch. And uh, yeah, that's I think that was more from the management. <laughs> like... either, either way, either way, whoever. That is uh, kind of wild. It's definitely wild. It's definitely wild to think that there's like a chance that Obama's like, you know, just on his music listening to app, had it free flow over to, you know, Eat Skull. And now Obama's like kind of into Eat Skull. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and he's like, it is. And then he hears Eat Skull's Psycho Sin cover. And then he's now jamming into <laughs> Psycho Sin. You know, like yeah. this is a, we live in a weird world right now where there's a chance that the former president of the United States might become like a deep head New Jersey noise core collector. I feel like though. If I'm like, again, to, to take it back to a regional nod, like if I'm a Chicago, you know, person in music, I'm kind of bummed that he doesn't shout out because they, they have some things to talk about. You know what I mean? Definitely. But like, you know, like what, like, like, like Crudos, like uh, Charles Bronson. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, like, on, no, honestly, though, like he like that's the world we live in now. Definitely. I feel like Crudos deserves a, a, like a Barack shout out. Oh, 100%. I definitely they deserve it. I just think it's like I think Kurt Vile's music is a lot more accessible. You know, like that Kurt Vile is going to be the gateway drug to to uh you know Obama getting into uh you know Psychosin, as I've 
Or maybe fucked up. Yeah. Maybe well, he'll be a guest I think on here. I was gonna I honestly thought you were going to say that, like that he that you guys made the list. And I feel like you you could have, but I feel like your band name is gonna prevent him from ever shouting you out, to be honest. I think that's a there's a, a, a snowball's chance in in uh you know um hell of that happening. But I you know, I was very happy because uh this week on Iggy Pop's play radio show he played a couple fucked up songs. And nice. And then talked about the band, like making no reference to the fact that like we've played with them a few times and I've met them a few times. Like just like I don't think he makes any connection between the two. Which yeah, is well, that's still cool. Totally cool. Yeah. Totally cool. No, I was beyond beyond chuffed that he mentioned us. Yeah, that's uh well anytime that happens, I think as like fans as you and I are, you uh you know what I mean? Yes. You know, obviously you're psyched. Like I, I for me, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for me I, I always well, I'm not in. I'm not a performer, but like, I'm a fan first, regardless. So if that kind of those nods happen, I'm always kind of psyched when I hear about that or whatever. Oh, for sure, for sure. And speaking of being fans, Chris, we got to talk yeah. about stuff that we were fans of this past year. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of cool stuff that came out. A lot of stuff that I was really stoked to to get and listen to on the turntable. And uh, yeah, let's let's go over a couple things. Chris, do you want to start us off with what was uh, one thing of this past year that you know you really got into music wise? Okay, well, this is sort of a, a last minute, uh, uh, like uh, me going over it. So there probably is going to be stuff I miss. That goes without saying. But um, one thing earlier in the year, and I can't remember what month that came out, but I anticipated it, being that I, I think this band is quite great and. Uh, I really think it delivered it, and it's rare that a third 12-inch or LP delivers in the punk world, in my opinion. So um, for me, it was the Hank Wood and the Hammerheads' newest self-titled LP, the third one. And it's great, and it's more a little more diverse than, not that it's it's very much them, but it's it's it has, a, a to me, a couple tracks on there that have broader appeal. I'm a little disappointed to see from what I've checked out so far that it didn't reach any of like the you know, the critical darling kind of like blogs and websites, because I really feel that it's a very strong piece of work. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, that was one. I don't know if you heard that. That that LP, I think, is phenomenal. No, I, 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 to be you, I have not heard that LP yet, so I'm definitely going to put that on it's my great. list to check out. Did you? It's really great. Did you like, well, um, like, are they touring that record at all? I have not seen them on this record. No, they they had come to Toronto a couple times, I believe, on the last like I, like their first two LPs. I saw them certainly in between them, or definitely on each LP. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, they're a great band, regardless. A crazy live they're, band. Yeah, but but like that LP, like you once you hear it, you'll know what I mean. For me, that band, and this is like I've felt this way for years, and this has kind of been my party line on this. Is that I feel that. When the dust settles, and like most punk bands, usually a lifespan of a punk band. So I, I just assume this band will not be a long, you know, existing band. I hope they do, though. I think their work is great. But um, assuming they they do the usual life cycle of a punk band and they eventually cease to exist, you know, fairly soon into their, you know, they're probably only been around five six years, I think, um, maybe a little longer. But uh, I feel like. They're going to be a band like like how we or people look back now on like the mummies in the 90s. I feel like this is going to be that band. I genuinely do. And I think that people are sleeping on this, like this band's, like especially the recorded output. 
because their their live rep is so big that they don't really you know weigh those lps mm-hmm. but uh anyway that that's my thing that's i guess it's more of a garage nod there i suppose and i feel like they kind of fit in that world too but uh yeah so that's my that's my take i kind of think the same thing in, in another band is the ocs you know and like their yeah, new record's yeah. really different too um it, that you know i didn't have it on my list but it's certainly something that once i did my list i kind of regret not having it um sorry i'm cleaning my my uh banger in the background that's what you're hearing uh i i, <laughs> I regret not having the chance to uh you know grab that on vinyl because I, it's something i did listen to a lot this year and and yeah like a, that a one, different I, sounding one too i checked it i think that is that orc you're talking about yeah or what was the is that yeah called? that's yeah. like i heard that a few I think so. I got to look that up again real quick with the resource. We should do it justice if we're shouting it out. Yes, that's a hundred um, percent. Sure. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that very briefly. Uh, if that's the record I'm thinking of, but uh, it was like I definitely didn't feel. I d- it didn't resonate with me. That's not to say I didn't feel it was good. Oh no, they have a newer one. Sorry, Orc was the year previous, so I haven't heard the new one yet. The new one is called Smote. Smote Reverser? Yeah. Uh, it's, is that the one you're talking it, about? Yeah, Smote Res- Reverser. That is 100% the one I'm talking about. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's great. It's and it, Castle it, Face it, Records, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that wasn't on my list. Uh, if I did my list again, probably would be. I'm going to start off with my number uh, first record that I want to shout out, and that is the Terry Funk Tougher Than Shoe Leather LP <laughs> on Flannel Graphs. And it's just a – it's okay. like a 30-minute interview – done uh with terry funk and terry funk is someone that i would just i could just listen to talk forever forever and someone who (laughs) you know is is so hugely important in wrestling that you know i think he transcends wrestling and just becomes hugely important in pop culture like the guy was in roadhouse you know um, that's true yeah the lp looks amazing too and just you know like i don't know just something like this a record like this existing you know it had to wind up on my top 10 list at the end of the year yes i did not it's no surprise to the audience i would imagine uh, i had no idea that that existed this year <laughs> um but i i'm very happy to hear about it and i'm not surprised that you love it oh it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous <laughs> record and uh yeah, Terry Funk is someone that I was supposed to work with on that wrestling TV show, but we never got a chance to do it. So, uh, someone I'm a huge fan of, though. So I'm, I'm, yes, love this record. Cool. Uh, what's your next pick? Okay, my next pick again, and these two, although I would never call Hank Power Pop, but this next record is definitely a power record, and I'm shouting it out also because it's uh, Canadian content. But this isn't me like, like you know trying to include something canadian just because mm-hmm. so i'm just gonna look it up so i make sure i got the label info correct on this that's like the most uh, canadian thing you can say is justifying a canadian pick on your top 10 list by saying you're not picking it because it's canadian well but like for for music fans like you and i we know what that means no i know, like I know you definitely like we live in a country where yeah like the radio or whatever plays 30 whatever 30 or 40 percent it's like a regulation and that's not to say it doesn't help people, but I just loathe that idea that people like, you know, for you and I being Canadians, people listen to this podcast, like I'm not propping this up because it's Canadian. No, I'm propping I, this I, up because it's, it's, it's a good. deadly, like you get it, but I just mean it does need to be said. Anyway, um, it's by a band called Tommy and the Commies and it's 12 inch and it uh, is called Here Come. It's on Slovenly Records and uh, or recordings, pardon me, but um 
I believe they're from Sudbury, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they're sort of like uh, descended of the Statues and Strange Attractor and those oh, kind awesome. of bands, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But anyway, this this is a deadly, and, and from what I've seen so far, a pretty slept-on 12-inch. I know that I've had friends like... Like Jonah kind of like shouted it out earlier in the year and I had some other like some more of our mutual friends, but uh, it's really strong, really, really strong. And I, I think it deserves a, like a big shout. I think this if this came out in a different, you know, uh, way, if, even if actually, frankly, to, to play the underdog card, I think that this wasn't a Canadian band. I think there would be way more hype on it. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it's a great record and, and highly worth checking out. But it's definitely more like power pop, uh, you know like that vibe it definitely has like for me it's like a cross between like uh nods to like the first jam record and like buzzcocks and it's fantastic that's awesome i gotta check that out because uh yeah. it was slept on by me until right now when I yeah it, there's a lot of people like you know i'm not trying to it just i think it's excellent so yeah worth checking out for sure um yeah no i definitely uh statues are an amazing band so anything that falls in that lineage uh, Sudbury. It's also Sudbury's like, you know, a place that I don't think very many people outside of of Canada know about. But like, what a amazing kind of musical legacy that place has had. Certainly in the last, well, I don't know, fifteen twenty years. For yeah, population, given the population, for sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. And given like th that crew of, of people deserve like a massive amount of credit, like their overall discography of, of sort of the people related to that whole scene or whatever. And that whole crew is, is pretty strong. So uh -huh. worth checking. Definitely. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, keep it Canada as well for my next pick. And I'm going to go with the chastity Deathlust LP, uh, which uh, was put out by captured tracks. Uh, this is a band that I, I got to play with a couple years ago. Uh, I think I'm actually, now that I think about it, I'm, and I really didn't think about it till just literally now I'm going on tour with them coming up, uh, in Europe. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. but yeah, like I was just listening to this LP and I was thinking, man, if I still made mixtapes, this would be on a bunch of them, a bunch of them. And they are fortunately getting a lot of love and, 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 you know, acknowledgement for the, their great work. So yeah, but death lust is the LP by the band chastity and, uh, yeah, pick it up. It's a, a real, I don't know gothy but like 90s and and rocky but like definitely still is that kind of punk enough edge for me to to love it and uh yeah love this album nice i've seen it like i've seen it you know like the cover of it it looks great i've, I've not heard it myself but i'm now i'm curious to hear it it's a great lp it's a great great lp this is my third um but again this is like this one he stepped above some of the other stuff I've heard people talking about this year. And to me, this is like a deep, deep head sort of thing. Not like maybe not. But um, anyway, it's that band Stigmatism uh, with their debut seven inch, which is just a uh, pressed from their demo, basically. But uh, the actual record came out this year. It's on Beach Impediment. It's fantastic. It's just pure, like kind of like whatever, mad ball worship, essentially ball destruction era um and it's just perfect so that was my and live they're incredible so that was my like clear shout out like above the uh some of the others that's my third pick are they are they from virginia feature no no it's like it's like uh new york it's all new york based well not sorry i shouldn't say that they're all not new york based but 
spoilers in the band and the, oh yeah no the core, I, yeah this, this this band's fucking incredible uh, yeah. I have not picked up that single yet. I was only putting LPs on this list. We could do a whole seven inch list. Oh, okay. And we're doing overall. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. We, no, we, you know, Chris, stuff you, isn't you do what you need to do. Yeah. Okay. You do what you need to do. I'm and on. I think that band deserves a shout out. Definitely uh, a band. And, and Mark Schubert's uh, record label um, is somewhere yeah. where you can consistently find some yeah. of the best shit that's been happening. Like over yeah. years. He, he didn't he put out like some crazy obscure power pop record this year too um i didn't there was a few things he or like a couple things that i didn't see like i didn't know what they were that he put out it could be um his last i mean the track record the last couple years has been pretty you know ridiculous in terms of being exceptional absolutely so there's a few there's a few labels that are consistently like that but yeah um yeah we're like the jizza on turned out a punk footnotes we except we love labels record labels <laughs> i did not know what the hell you're going on with that that's <laughs> you got that reference now right yeah yeah i did yes from the phenomenal lp liquid swords yes the track the big track i have that 12 inch by the way real talk was that the, that was a single but, uh, yeah he yeah, made a 12 inch i don't know if it was like a proper single it was yeah. definitely a dj 12 inch for sure there's a video for that yeah yeah check that out later on anyway back to the the time at and uh i yeah. i i guess my uh i feel like i got i got uh oh i got, I, got I do have three more picks right yeah oh i'm so for a second there i was like fuck i'm gonna have to cut one of my picks but no uh my next uh i'm gonna go with a band that i am gonna not be able to pronounce the name of very well but idiote civilizatio um, which is on uh, a another amazing record label run by our friend Tom Ellis. And uh, this is a LP that I don't know as much about. Um, I just got it, checked it out, and it's just like raging hardcore. I believe this is the first 12-inch. And uh, a band that, yeah, uh, are you familiar with them at all, Chris? Not, but you should also shout out what the label so you said tom's label but it's static shock records oh sorry i'm not saying sorry static shock records a uh, incredible label in england England, uh that has been putting out you know great stuff for a long time this band also has a seven inch there's some cool live videos of them as well and it's just like just raging you know noisy hardcore like very classic sounding um and and perfect he put out the demo too of the stigmatism as well just to show how the, the the taste cross uh, cross the water is is in keeping, just as a heads up. But, yeah, and, all, uh, and also a label that put out a, a record that I could not shout out, but definitely one of the things I've listened to most this year because I'm kind of too closely involved in it. But he also put out that Razor Voice Choice comp, which I didn't yeah. play anything on it, didn't do anything towards that record other than be somewhat associated with it. But fuck, that record rages. Yeah, he's he's done a bunch of great stuff. Like, uh, it the label's great. You can't go wrong with that's one of those labels. You just like you know if you're if you're gambling, which isn't even a gamble. You just yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hit. You're good. Yeah, and this band is out of Berlin, Germany, uh, and uh, yeah, a, a great LP. I really love this LP. And uh, there, uh, and you can pick it up yourself on that on, uh, you know, Tom's label. Yeah, Static Shock. I'm alum, by the way. You're not alumni. I'm alumni, so I, I can shout it out. Uh, I think he did a fucked up thing. 
No, I don't think so. Well, the newest one, but that that comp, but I don't know about anything else. Did you do something way back when? Like maybe even before it was called that? Ooh, maybe. Maybe. You may have me there. I've known Tom for like ever. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Like first time we went over to England, I met met him. He was one of my my favorite people. Seen him in many different bands over the years too. Yeah. Um, yep. but yeah, no, a, a, a great record, not, not just talking about Tom, also a band that I got to see live. Yes. Um, so that was your third, my third. See, it gets tricky from here. Cause there's some stuff even looking at that list of things he put out this year, stuff I haven't heard that I, I fear some might jump on my list ahead of one thing or another, but, um, I'm going to keep it in the raging sector. Um, and because I don't believe I've shouted out. Perhaps I'm incorrect, but I, I feel like I haven't shouted out this band enough or before on the show all that much. And they put out a record this year, which coincidentally Tom also put out, being Static Shock. And it was put out here by Toxic State, I believe. But anyway, the band is Warthog. And they, to me, are one of the top tier groups, uh, along with some others in recent years that have consistently, both live and on record, put out some, you know, ragers. And, uh,. They have a self-titled, I think this is their fourth, seven, and third, so let me just make sure here. It is their third, no, second self-titled seven-inch, but fourth seven-inch, and it is great. Or actually, I don't even know if it's a seven-inch, I think it's a 12-inch. No, it is a seven-inch, pardon me. There you go. Uh, I guess for my fourth album of the year, I'm going to pick a record that I just got recently uh, heard about this band actually on this podcast when on the Mark McCoy episode. Uh, and I don't know, I got this LP at first. I was like, ah, do I love this or not? And then, you know, now <laughs> I've listened to it like a lot and I'm like, yeah, I love this. This is completely raging. Uh, and the band is city Hunter and the album is deep blood. And, uh, I believe they're out of Colorado. I, I'm, you know, once again, not a hundred percent, uh, versed in everything, but, the the record looks ridiculous like it's one of the coolest most i don't even coolest but like certainly one of the most unique looking albums i've ever seen and uh graphically sonically it just you know is something that i keep coming back to over and over again i i'm with you in the sense that this to me is the um and we have this previously not you and I both off air, and then like with the with the collective of Turned Out of Punk, the Daves. We did that wasn't even on air. We had um, that as an off air discussion with the Daves. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like we have we've this is for me the conversation piece record of the year as far as the punk genre is concerned, because it's one that you know it just it not that it even divides opinions. I just think it, it's such a unique thing. I don't know how I don't know what it is that captivates me with it, but I'm like you. I, your description of it was perfect. Uh, in the intro at first when you're just I don't know but it's I'm with you I don't own it um, but it's great and I I would concur I think there are things I've liked certainly better this year but um, this might be the best looking record this year I'll say that for sure it just looks insane it looks like a crazy sick like 80s slasher movie like that's what the record looks like dude no no it's just to me it looks like if you took that that kind of necro cage um, uh, Night Hunters was that the Nighthawks that cage side project that they did like all those kind of like smut peddlers that whole scene of like early 
2000s, late 90s kind of rap stuff that was happening. And you took that aesthetic okay. and, you, and you elevated it and did it the way that they were almost trying to do it, it felt like. That's what this record looks like to me. Okay. Well, I, I don't have a great familiarity with that. I, I would have thought that would be totally your bag. Records. No, definitely not. We've discussed this before, but um, I have no beef with it. I just never, that was never my thing. Um, but yeah, either way, it looks incredible. All Youth Attack stuff looks incredible, though, to be fair. But um, yeah, this is one of those records that, that jumped out. I think the timing of this record, I think, like was right as well for the year. I think I've, I've seen it shouted out on different uh, whatever sources as well. So I think the timing's right. He released uh, some stuff this year I thought was really interesting, um, yeah. which I'm sort of wrestling with what... There's definitely one thing I kind of want to. I'm just worried that there's something I, I'm going to like more. I, I have like this three-way tie for my last spot. Anyway. Um, yeah, like I think they are, uh, you know, one of those bands that like, you know, when you pull that album out of the sleeve and you put it on, like it better, better live up to it, you know, like the aesthetic. And it does, yeah. like it, it sounds like, there's so many records in the 90s I remember opening and then putting it on. And being like, oh, this is that? Like, it's almost like that meme. You know that meme that's going around right now where it's like how Kiss is advertised? And it's like, I think it's like Pennywise <laughs> from It. And it's like how Kiss yeah. sounds. And it's like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, yes. like. I would disagree, though. I think the first two records or whatever, three, two to three. I can't remember. Anyway, they, great. But yeah, I, it, it's very fitting. They sound great. Like, I love those early Kiss records. But at the same time, like. It doesn't sound like there's a fucking guy who's a demon in the band. Oh, no, I, I agree with you there. Yes. You know, Black very, Sabbath that... is much more, much more befitting of the Kiss imagery, like the sonic sound of Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, but this band lives up to the aesthetic sonically. Like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, like, this is what this should sound like. Uh, yeah. yeah, I totally agree Sorry. with that, yeah. Controversial, uh, oh, I know, I was going to say a controversial record, like, definitely something that... Uh, you know, like my kind of like thing about going back to it, having to listen to it a couple of times. I've heard other people tell me the same thing about it. And it's something that, yeah, like I eventually landed on the thing that like this thing rages and uh, I can get over my strong aversion to horror movies that I have as an adult, which is insane because that was like all my shit, as Chris can tell you when I was younger, but <laughs> and, and, and get yeah. into this LP. I agree. I think the, yeah, it's it's just that one to me is the one that this is that it's the conversation piece record of the year for sure. I can't think of anything else that's sort of captivated people the way it has. And mm -hmm. to be fair, it's I guess it's come more toward the end of the year. But nonetheless, I think that also says something about it. Yeah, no, I think I think it's timing's perfect for it, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are we at? So that was your fourth, I think. So I got to pick my last my fourth. One. Last one is tough because I haven't sat with a lot of these records enough. To you can really just quickly run through ones that could be in your last spot. Like, you know, just, we, don't, we don't have to go into too much detail, but that's way people can, if they decide, look them up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I get somehow struck with a lot of time in the next couple of weeks, I'll put together a playlist of all this stuff. This is difficult. So I'm going to, this is sort of my end of the, the, the spectrum. So I have... What I've now decided, I have two that are my tied for 
the fifth spot, which I kind of want to shout out, but there are a bunch of other records I wanted to shout out in addition. So I figure maybe we'll do that after we do our fifths really quick, if that works better for you. Yeah, that'd be uh, totally, totally. Okay, so for my fifth spot, and this was really difficult because as I'm now scouring lists and looking at stuff that came out, there was a lot of stuff that could have easily made the fifth spot. Uh, but uh, I boiled it down to two records, which I think are important for different reasons. So technically it's like I'm picking six, but I have to pick a fifth. I'm just welling over it. But anyway, there's a group. I'm terrible with pronunciation. Just run, run, through, the, run through the other ones quickly that you want to have because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some okay. uh, runners-ups of mine. Okay. So this is all punk-centric runners-up, uh, most of which just does need to be shouted out because I know it's really strong stuff. I just don't know in what order. So... Uh, I have not heard the Blood Pressure 12-inch, but I guarantee that's a rager. Um, waste Management Tried and True, that is excellent. And it didn't make my fifth or sixth spot, but it's great. Uh, the new Shipwrecked We Are the Sword, 12-inch, is also great. Uh, another Youth Attack record, Cadaver Dog, Dying Breed, is great. Uh, the new Tragedy, which sort of, to me, is the rebirth of tragedy, dare I say. Um, and it's the best record since Vengeance, easily. Uh that deserves definitely a shout, but wasn't, for me, quite as strong. Uh, the new shit record, of course, regionally speaking, uh, is very important, in my opinion, and deserves... That easily should make this top five of mine. I'm just being uh, difficult about it. Uh, but they're an excellent band, and that LP is very important, uh, or 12-inch. And the fucked-up LP, which should have made my list in many regards... And if I wasn't doing like a punk centric list, certainly would, but uh, deserves shout out, obviously. And we've talked about it on here, Dave. But anyway, my fifth spot, I feel like there's two bands. One, weirdly enough, is also a youth attack record by a band called Vile Gash, which is called Nightmare and a Damaged Brain. Uh, that record to me should be there. And it's, it's sort of the perfect embodiment of sort of, you know, uh, I don't know, modern power violence, dare I use that phrasing for it, but I just think it's exceptional. Uh, but the record I think pips it um, is this band, uh, I think they're from Colombia, uh, called Muro. So anyway, it's spelled M-U-R-O, and the record is called Attack Hardcore Punk, A-T-A-Q-U-E. Uh, and of course, that's I've butchered the pronunciation, I guarantee it, but uh live this band uh just were you know from everything i've seen and, and the you know pretty much consensus was that they dominated um and they played not dead yet this year and it was yeah it was out of this world so i just feel like for a lot of reasons that deserves the the, the big shout out for my number five spot but those were all the other contenders uh and i'm trying to remember who put that out did Beach Impediment here also put out that Murrow record, M-U-R-O. God so damn. Beach Impediment yeah. coming through again. That sounds fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I missed everything during Not Dead. I had planned and bought tickets to a bunch of stuff, and, and unfortunately uh, I had to change it due to uh, some things that came up that weekend. But, you know, uh, shout out to Not Dead for coming through again. Like every year I'm like, how are they going to do this next year? And every year yeah. they find a way to put together a ridiculous bill of kind of like the top, like hardcore punk bands yeah. in the world. Like it's always incredible. Agreed. Uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, I'm going to have my, my, you know, the, this last pick, I like, I love the new super chunk LP. I, I didn't make my list because I'm on the same label as well, the owner, is in the band, so it felt like it was, <laughs> the owners 
are in the band, so it felt like it'd be like, oh, geez. <laughs> but uh, I love that. I love that band so much, and I sang on one of their records this year too. So it felt weird putting them on a list, but that band could have easily made my list. Uh, Candy, a band we toured with, uh, put out a raging LP that I, I loved. Uh, X Boy Genius X put out a great LP that I loved, and uh, you know, uh, Culture Abuse. One of the greatest guests ever on this show, Dave, who's going to be <laughs> coming back for a, a reappearance in very early in the new year, uh, yeah. Um, is yeah, like love their LP. Uh, I, but I got to give a shout out to an artist who I don't think he tours enough for people to really get how genius he is, or people understand like how genius he is because he's like someone like a Jonah that does many, many other records. Oh yeah. Also the boss seven ish could be on my list too. I think that record's amazing. Yeah. I was going to shout that out too, but it was, I had so much, but yeah, that boss steel box seven inch is incredible. Uh, but I think this Tony Molina kill the lights LP. Uh, I think Tony Molina is one of those, you know, like Jonah, like, like there's a lot of people I'm shouting out Jonah, but there's a lot of people that are like this, but are like can work in so many different styles, so many different genres. And it's just like a fan of music. Uh, specifically punk music and creates some unbelievable stuff. And Tony Molina, his like self title project that he does uh, is, is like, I don't know, like if dinosaur junior was a power pop band, how it could, you know, I don't know like sonically how to put it. That might be a little limiting, but they are, he might, he writes great punk, you know, songs that once again would be perfect on any mixtape. And yeah, I strongly recommend checking out Tony Molina's stuff. He also did like, a bunch of other bands this year too and has done like over the years like tons of other stuff dating back you know years years i've known this guy since he was a little little kid and someone else that i'm having on the show very soon into the new year yeah i get you dude i i haven't i haven't heard so i don't know uh what to uh to, to say about it but yeah you've you've spoken to me about it before so i i know how much you praise the uh or it is in high praise in your books, certainly. Absolutely. Well, uh, that is it for those records. There's tons more that I've forgotten about, I'm sure. And Chris, you're the same way. And that some of the stuff that yeah. should be on there. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, our favorite episodes of the year. Yeah, this was... Uh, We've got some categories. This was good. This it, was diff- it was difficult, yeah. It was very difficult to boil down some of this. Yeah, because we've got some categories this year. This year, the categories are as follows. Uh, we are going to do the most surprising punk of the year. Like, the guests that came on the show that, you know, because these are surprises to me most of the time. Like, some of these people I just hear about, reach out, they come on. Uh, you know, like, or it could be like a surprising moment on the show. Biggest surprise of the year. Uh, I think we have episode most of need of a part two, some episode where maybe something wasn't asked that should have been asked. Uh, I know there's certainly episodes that I finish and I'm like, God damn it. Why did I not ask this person about this? Uh, and then I guess the final one would be, or sorry, the second last one, best episode of the year category. And then finally, we're going to end it with the last category person we want to most see on the show next year. Let's begin with that first category that I mentioned, which is going to be the most surprising guest of the year or surprising <laughs> moment of the year. Yeah, I, I should have uh, should have assumed he would go there. This was the most difficult one for me um, uh, because I, I didn't mention this off air because I wanted to talk about this on air. I... Yes. 
going to go so far as to say, and this is no, you know, certainly absolutely no shade to any previous years or certainly any previous guests, but when I actually went through the rundown of this year, uh, as we have done on the last sort of footnote party episode or whatever, uh, this may have been pound for pound the strongest year in my opinion. You have a lot of heavy hitter guests this year, and uh, so it was very, very difficult to like, like I'm, I'm just going through and I'm trying to pick things and I'm like, man, I'm not picking, you know, this or that. Like it just, that's how strong this year was. So kudos to you and certainly Tristan. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I think kudos to Tristan. Work. I think definitely kudos yeah. to Tristan. Like he was definitely doing this kind of work last year, but because I was doing the TV show, I was away yeah. a lot. And a lot of the time it was just kind of me throwing stuff together. And yeah, like no, no disrespect to last year's guests at all. Cause there were some amazing, amazing no. shows last no. year. But yeah. this year, it's uh, a lot of, like, people I've, I've always wanted to talk to, like, dream-type people on the show. Yeah. And you had a you had a number of, like, so, I don't mean to gush too much. I just, I, it needs to be stated because I, as I say things, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm not naming <laughs> some of the guests you've had. Because <laughs> they're, like, there's some insane guests this year that honestly did not make my lists. And it's, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, okay. So biggest surprise, this was the hardest one for me because there was a variety of angles on this category for me. Um, there was three, I, I isolated four episodes in particular. I'm not going to shout them all out. I'm just trying to well over <sighs> in order of importance. What, what one I think jumps out, um, <sighs> it's down to two. I, I guess I will say it's down to two for me that were the most surprising of the year being that I was most surprised and impressed not only with their journey, but how deep they were in terms of like knowledge and, and how great the episodes were, um, which was the, uh, is it David Pajo? Yeah. I, th- I don't David Pajo and then uh, Blake Schwarzenbach. I think yeah. I'm pronouncing that correctly. The jawbreaker dude. Yeah. Um, so those two were the two. Ah, I haven't listened to the Blake one. And so like uh, the Pajo one, I feel was like more recent. So I, that was more fresh in my brain and, and the kind of the Danzig content in that alone is so unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but the Blake episode's so good from what I remember. So I'm going to have to say Pajo just cause it's fresher in my mind. And I feel maybe that made a bigger impact as to why I can remember it so vividly. So yeah, the Pajo one for me, uh, which is episode, Good lord, I should probably have queued that up first. Um, Apaho was when uh, it was episode one seventy eight. One seventy eight, yeah. So I highly recommend listening to that. Of course, from Slint and Tortoise and a variety of other things. Which those two groups alone, like you know, but the 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 amount of punk content in that like is no no joke and a lot of deep head stuff too, which I love. So that was my difficultly chosen uh surprise episode and or thing of the year yeah i think for i th- I'm, I'm right there with you i think that david paho dwid like the 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 fact that their stories intersect in louisville yeah. was the thing that really that was like one of those moments where i was like god damn it that's why we do this thing yep um uh man okay i'm i'm kind of in the same place you are there's like a lot of stuff uh that i you know feels like this happened this year, like a lot of surprising ones, uh, you know, Cedric from at the drive-in, uh, you know, being on tour with Feist with Beto O'Rourke yeah. in Canada. Like that blew my mind, uh, that that actually <laughs> happened at some point. Yeah. Uh, the stuff in Jerry A's part two, 
was just <laughs> yeah. mind-blowing. No, gosh, mind-blowing. Uh, Jesse Brown, Jesse Brown coming on the show. And yeah, that was like a, and stuff that you talked about in that episode and influences on him that he talked about in that episode was very shocking and stuff for me. Uh, I think Thurston Moore, for me, it's going to come down to two like you. I think the between me, me, it's Thurston Moore, which anyone that's kind of close to, to me and, and fucked up knows that that probably didn't seem very likely that that was ever going to happen. So the fact that it did happen and then also the fact that it was just like just so fucking awesome to get to talk to him and get to hear like, you know, just like his relationship to hardcore, like all this kind of stuff that, you know, I knew there was, but to to get it was just like awesome. I agree. Um, but so I that's think, your biggest surprise. Or no, that's- no, that's that, that that's my biggest surprise guess. But I think my biggest surprise was. Uh, Michael Ian Black coming on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm See, that a huge... was one that I passed over. I'm with you. I passed over it, but the whole time, I've what you're about to say, I thought about this too, but there's so much other stuff. Like, that's how yeah. crazy this year was. Yeah, the Michael Ian Black episode was, was just, uh, like, you know, I didn't, I kind of knew that he was in a punk just from, like, the little things he had referenced and stuff like that, but, you know, I didn't know how deep it went, didn't know if there was going to be anything that came out of it beyond like you know i'm a fan like i'm just like a fan of maybe not what he writes on social media all the time but like you know i'm definitely a fan of him as a comedian and you know and i'm certainly a fan of him over the years and in stuff that i enjoy watching so to find out that he was in a band with tim shaw from ensign was fucking incredible (laughs) Yes, that's episode 158 as well, by the way, for people who are who uh, are following along. 158 uh, is, yeah, the one where, you know, it really does prove that punk connects everything. And also yeah, it kind of implies uh... that, uh, that he kind of also implies in that episode that uh, that uh, Jonathan Stewart's kind of a poser. <laughs> I like that you you used his full first name, by the way. But <laughs> why yeah, did you call him John Stewart? I was saying, I was just saying, like, kind of like it's like, yeah, I never really saw him around. Well, hey, future guest, hopefully. So yeah, well, not, he can, uh, he can too soon. take him, take him to take him to task on that, John. Anytime you want, dude. Just like pro wrestling, <laughs> John Stewart and I can talk pro wrestling, and we can talk our mutual love of the Clash. Oh yeah. His favorite band. <laughs> I'm uh, the defender of the Clash in this show. I like so the Clash I'll, I'll too. I like the Clash too. Uh, also, Peter Perret, like coming on the show too, was a, a big surprise and something that turned out to be yeah. really awesome. Uh, but let's get on to the next one, Chris. What do you? Yeah. What do you think? Where? What's, what's the category? What are we the, doing here? The next category that we're going to do is who should be coming back for a part two. Like, who are we in desperate need? to hear more from or is there a particular story that you feel i failed to bring up or something that didn't come up that should be brought up and and hence we need a part two asap most guests i think did i I chose it on the the kind of like based on what we were talking about with the stuff like from the last category a bit so um the what mine was and i already mentioned was the the blake schwarzenbach i just think a part two because that whole story was so epic and i don't think you even really got terribly far into it if i remember correctly no so, 
yeah, that for me is part two. Yeah, that would be amazing to have him back for part two. Uh, Jack Black, I'd love to have back on so I can <laughs> yeah. confront him with the evidence that we uncovered that he was actually at a bad religion show. And <laughs> yes, and then finally confirm that it is indeed him moshing to visual discrimination, which would be an amazing thing to be able to confirm. Uh, I think also Barry Hensler. I didn't ask him about Lars sitting in the bass drum, which. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, there's many things that could be stated about the uh, about that episode. Yeah, you, you have a lot more to talk about. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more to talk about with Barry. So that is a uh, one in desperate need of a part two as well. Uh, Jerry A for a part three would be great. Um, yeah, there's lots. Mm-hmm. There's lots of stuff that could be done in a part two. Uh, but, yeah, I think that I think that would be. I think if I'm going to go with my one that I'm thinking, I definitely want to do a part two ASAP for, and that's the Thurston Moore episode. Cause uh, you know, there's just so much stuff to talk to him about like the SST stuff when like, obviously maybe you can't yeah. talk about the legal side of that thing, but just like what it was like to be on that label at that time when you have, you know, the future of indie rock right there just happened. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's my, my one that's in desperate need of a part two. So, Chris, episode of the year. So, episode of the year, and the reason why I didn't pick this for that last category is because, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's the Thurston Moore episode. So, I didn't want to... Like, the Thurston Moore episode could be in almost every category, but for me. But, uh, yeah, that's my episode of the year, bar none. Uh, again, no disrespect. You, you had a lot of crazy good episodes this year, actually, and it was difficult to not <laughs> take some people. Like... Uh, you know, thinking you got some heavy hitters this year that I just, yeah. And their episodes are all phenomenal, but Thurston's is just so crazy. Like that what's covered in the years and it, just everything about it. So yeah, for sure. I think for me, if I'm going to have to pick a number one, like there's been a lot, you know, having Sammy Zane on the show was a huge one for me, Chris. Like I can't understate, yes. uh, I can't overstate how, uh, important that was of, to have that episode yeah. now. In the, 100% in the not as good as the, not as good as Thurston Moore though not <laughs> okay. any day of the week <laughs> I agree Thurston Moore <laughs> is is right up there uh Jesse Michaels you know like I never ever ever thought I'd get a chance to talk to Jesse Michaels so yeah, yeah I get, I'm really stoked that, that happened finally but for me episode of the year is the uh Jack Black episode because oh okay I I, I outwitted him I outlasted him <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and i got him to admit that he was indeed a punk rock kid at some point in his life i, I see what you're saying because you would you'd whittled him down yeah i see i beat doing. him you know he told me he had lied straight to my face he said no i wasn't no not me and then i you know through years of you know just being a nerd just being into this music gathered up enough evidence stuff i learned doing this podcast internet sleuthing what have you and presented my case before him and uh i, I we won we won chris <laughs> nice <laughs> all right and so that was what was that that was your, your oh that was your episode of the year with jack black okay yep that was my episode of the year and so uh now they we are going to go into who would you like to see next year on the show 
Uh, well, there's a number of guests. I always say things to you and your brother always says things to you too. But, um, for me, I was trying to think of like real kind of what I feel are like heavy hitter guests. Cause I think you got a number of them this year. So I feel like that's going to keep rolling, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully. But, mm-hmm. uh, for me, um, for a variety of reasons relating to some of the things we discussed today and other episodes, even, uh, Lydia lunch is my <sighs> dream guest of 2019. Yeah. That would be an amazing guest. I didn't even think about like, going there. My my main one, actually, and that came to me on the back of, because I first wrote down Joel Coleman, and then I, I still love that, oh. and I hope it, it happens. But I thought, you know what, the Joel Coleman one would be exceptional, but I was thinking of like that kind of New York or whatever, New York area-centric stuff, and then it just immediately was like, yeah, no, that one is, you know, so yeah. Yeah, she would be she would be an incredible person to talk to about stuff. And like, as Thurston says, like someone who predates punk, you know, like someone who was there for yeah. the glam stuff, someone who, yeah. Like, and someone who scared the punks, which, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is cool. Uh, yeah. I would love to have her on. I would be honored to have her on. Um, I, I was going to say, I, someone I learned recently might have some punk connection. Mimi driver. Really? Okay. Mini Driver. Mini Driver has some punk connection, apparently. So that is someone that I really hope uh, works out at some point in the in near future. Um, but I think my number one, if I was going to have to pick a number one for who I want to have on next year, and by God, maybe we're going to make it happen. I have no. I'm, I don't know. I'm just talking about my ass on this, but CM Punk. <laughs> Of course, a wrestler. Yep. Yep. Okay. Gotta happen, Chris. Gotta happen. You know, the punk wrestling connection is real. It's real. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about a guy who, let's be realistic, you know, save maybe Avril Lavigne has gotten straight edge and straight edge culture out to more people than anyone ever. Yeah, it's difficult to argue, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I like don't, I don't think about it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know a great deal about him because I never, I don't follow wrestling because I didn't see him as a wrestler at all. So I don't know uh, how to contextualize that. <clears throat> I know we like the same hockey team. That's cool. Yep. And uh, millions and millions of kids every week, millions and millions of adults too, tune in from around the yeah, world. I was going to say, <laughs> was well, say quite you know, a bit like of before, well, well, you know, the before time, like, you know, he was actually like the, the thing that I really think you, the person, the thing, the person I really think you kind of have to give credit to for the wrestling resurgence renaissance that's happening right now. Is CM Punk, you're saying? CM Punk, yeah, CM Punk. And I think like, it's a guy who, who made wrestling cool. And, you know, the company he's in sometimes resists that. And, you know, certainly he left that company. So, you know, it'd be great to talk to him. Not about that. I'm sure he's not legally allowed to talk about that side of his life. Just to talk about music, you know. I heard he used yeah, to bounce gotcha. at the Fireside Bowl. Huh. I don't know that's if that's true or not. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, but it'd be someone I would love to talk to. So that's my, that, that's the goal this year. The dream. The dream nice. is to find a way to get CM Punk on Turned Out of Punk. One thing I want to shout out real quick to to interject is there was a couple other big surprises, um, but you you nailed the Jesse Michaels one was on my contending, uh, and the other one I think deserves a big shout out uh, is because it's a great episode and it's kind of thick with early uh, deep head sort of stuff is the Jim Cuddy episode. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that was cool. Like, there's stuff that Jim Cuddy talks about in that episode that I never thought I'd get to talk to Jim Cuddy about. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's certainly if you're a Canadian, certainly, and so there's an appeal there. So people who may not be may not get as much out of it as you and I, maybe. But there's there's some there's some things in there that I think are are I, people might look over if you don't listen to every episode. So I'd highly recommend uh, paying attention to that episode one fifty three. I would love to sit down with Jim Cuddy one time and uh, just with like a turntable and my, my, all my Toronto 45s and, and some New York 45s and like, just like play punk records with them. Like everything that he talks about, just like play, you know, yeah. it'd be a real fun thing. Cause he feels like someone that, you know, it'd be really fun to sit around and listen to records with. Yeah, I agree. Um, the other thing is, in everything we've discussed, uh, in my list, I did not. <laughs> I did not even mention. Uh, uh, let me just go through here. This is how this is how vibrant your year was. Uh, we did not even mention Eric Davidson up to this point. Oh yeah, which was a crazy episode. We did not really mention much about Dwid. That episode's incredible. Uh, we did not mention. There was another huge one. Uh, John Reese. We did Chris not number even two. Uh, yeah, but those like that's how many. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and another one that was like, oh, one of Jerry my A. Part episodes. One was this year. I thought that was last year. Yeah, no, you did both. So for me, oh, it was five. Shit. I think I kind of like two better, but one is incredible, obviously. Um, but the Patty, Sh- I, I, if I'm saying it right, is it Patty Schmel or Patty yeah. Schemmel? Yeah. Anyway, Schemmel. her her episode was great too. So that there's there was big ones this year. Dude, really yeah, her one, like, her one, one of my low-key surprises of the year that I forgot was the uh, Greg Anderson from Sun Story. Yeah, just all of it. It's, you know, and you actually did Drew Carolan, Carolan? I think I'm saying that right. Um, at the end of last, like literally the almost the last day of last year. Yeah. So even that, to me, kind of applies. But yeah, a whole bunch. Anyway, Chris, my dog's howling to go out now. So. Yep. That that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Chris. And uh, we will see you in the new year.